You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Who To Be A Podcast. I am your host Raj Baines and joining me is the wonderful Rory Benton. How's it going? Not too bad yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Did you enjoy your time off back in North Wales? Uh, I did, it was lovely. Uh, got a bit of countryside in me and drank a fair amount of red wine, so yeah, can't complain. I can see it on your cheeks. <laughs> um, if we move on. Club news, uh, there's not really been anything since we last spoke on Tuesday, but Aaron Moy's been called up for the Australia squad, which is obviously good news, is it? A playoff ahead of the World Cup with Syria. Yeah, two-legged playoff. Um, the winner then goes on to play the fourth-placed team in CONCACAF um, for a spot at the World Cup. Um, Who's so, that looking yeah. likely to be? Like, a, Isn't the USA struggling? At the US minute? is struggling. They could be in there. Uh, Costa Rica also. Honduras. Panama. Yeah, Honduras and Panama, I think, as well, are also in the mix. So, It's um, not an impossible task, then? No, no, but we just don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, the next international break, when Australia are playing Syria twice, uh, they've got two more games to play, all the CONCACAF sides. Top four, because they've had previous rounds, the top four... Go automatic or top three automatically go into the, the World Cup, and then the fourth place takes on uh, the winner of, of Syria and Australia. So, obviously, Australia are pretty favoured over Syria, <laughs> but um, we'll see. Obviously, best of luck to Aaron Moy. Be nice to have a, some town representation at the World Cup. Is there anyone else in the squad who's likely to be there? Benin haven't qualified, have they? And no, Denmark is struggling. Um, but they're they beat, up there, they beat Poland, didn't they? The other day, we were talking yeah, they've group. got to better the result of Serbia, no, Montenegro. Montenegro, I think it is. They've got to better the results on everything. If they do that, then they'll be there. So um, that's I think, they, I think they, if they do that, they'll be in the playoff round because there's only one from each group that goes through. Oh, it? so they'll be second. They'll be so second, they'll, so they'll, they'll go be, into yeah. playoff. Uh-huh. And it depends who they play because you know Italy are likely to be in the playoff now. Yeah, um, there's some pretty strong sides in there, so we'll see. Um, it'll be the first time I think since 1962 um, when a town fan is, when a town player has been represented. So. Uh, who was that? Uh, Off top Ray here. Wilson, yeah, I think so. so. Obviously, he was 1966 as well, but he was Everton at that point. So, But yeah, it'd be good to have, uh, well, either one or, or possibly even three there. Billing as well, possibly a fourth. Yeah. yeah. Any uh, Democratic Republic of Congo probably not going to get through either? No, they got, I think they got knocked out by Tunisia in, yeah. a, in a doubleheader. Um, so they're not knocked out, but they, they slid down the group pretty substantially. So I don't think they're going to be there. So no Kachunga, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. I don't think there's anyone else, unless Tommy Smith suddenly becomes England starting right back. No, um, Christopher Schindler. Well. Benina out. Christopher Schindler's German hopes. Well, who knows? If Bayern carry on playing the way they have, <laughs> he'll be starting for them as well. <laughs> but obviously we hope he stays at town for as long as possible. Um, 
Slightly club news, but slightly just general news is that the new edition of FIFA is out tomorrow, which is obviously exciting because Town are far more prominent on that than they have been previously. The ground is on the game. We've seen shots of that. The players are all scanned in on the game. We've seen sort of behind-the-scenes footage of how that happened. Michael Heffley and Alice Band. Um, so that's quite exciting because it's not something that, people would have expected to happen to the club, you know, John Smith to be on the biggest selling video game, sports video game in the world. It's all, quite all these added bonuses, isn't it? Now that you're in the Premier League, you know, I don't think, well, town fans won't want them to get relegated anyway, but it's, it's all the little things as well which go with it, um, which is just, you know, it makes it so much more exciting, not even just watching the football, but everywhere else as well, so. It's really surreal because I, I, it was one of the first things my friend said to me at Wembley after they'd won the penalty shootout, sort of all the <laughs> random things that everyone started going, oh God, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. He, he turned around to me and goes, mate, Huddersfield are going to be on FIFA. Um, so it's it's quite exciting. Um, I imagine we'll have a couple of games between ourselves. And, yeah, and then you'll throw your toys out of the pram. <laughs> we'll see. It's uh, strong talk from you but we'll, we'll find out I'm sure um, what we're going to do here is we're actually recording this before the press conference has taken place obviously people want to hear what's happened in the press conference we can't predict the future um, we probably can but <laughs> we don't want to um, but what we'll do is we'll drop in a quick 5-10 minutes of us discussing the press conference here and then when you hear us on the other side I'll be back to present time alternate timelines it's kind of like podcast inception back to the future mate anyway so yeah uh we'll drop that in here and hello this is the weird bulletin post um press conference that we'll do now quickly rory uh david wagner Laurent de Potra. Yep. Is it the first time we've spoken to de Potra? no it's, it's about the fifth time in a week actually, <laughs> we before and after the burnley game uh, was um, he in good form today uh, yeah, I mean, it, he's uh, his English isn't great. He admitted that himself. Um, spoke about sort of getting up to yeah, adapted to the Premier League and that kind of thing. He said that he thought his style was suited to the Premier League in terms of uh, sort of his strength and being able to to hassle uh, defenders. Um, and yeah, he, he seemed seemed confident. He said, you know, looking at Tottenham, Harry Kane of a, in Harry Kane, they've got a great striker, and he's. You know, learning every day with town, uh, trying to improve every game, and hopefully you can score a few more goals. So, yeah, it was uh, it was nice speaking to him. There were, there was a few questions uh, that journalists answered, and he couldn't understand their accents. Um, you know, a few uh, I think there was a scouser in today, and he just did not know. What we he was even saying. We, we don't understand what they say. Either. Yeah, exactly. So there's there was a few which were were sort of more difficult, than more difficult. Yeah, um, but no, it was good. He had a few nice things to say about his manager and living in Huddersfield and things, which is always good to hear from. Yeah, new yeah, it seems like he's settled. Um, he said he, you know, he's enjoying living here. The warmth of the people's come through. I was going to say that there's no warmth in the weather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, playing for David Wagner, he, he really likes doing. And and also talking to some of the players. Obviously, there's a, there's a few Frenchmen in there that he can converse with in French. But he said he's he's trying to. Speak in English as much as possible and, and really get a hold of the language. So no, but he seems to be enjoying himself, which is, is good to see. What about the boss? Was he did he seem intimidated by Spurs or was he his usual bubbly self? Yeah, he was he was in a really good mood actually today, he seemed to be. Um I think he's he's more excited about playing this game. He said 
you know, when, when Town went up, everyone was really excited and, you know, everyone was saying, oh, Man United, Tottenham, Chelsea, you know, all these games. And he said now people are nervous before the games and he just doesn't see why that should be that why that why should be the case. They should be even more excited now that the time has come to play these teams. So, um, yeah, he was he was very much saying, you know, they might be way ahead, but, you know, when it comes to Saturday, 11 v 11 on the pitch, we have a chance and we're going to give it our all and try and, and take points from Tottenham. We sort of second-guessed him when we were recording earlier to say that he's not going to change what he does. He's going to play the football that he's known for playing and, yeah. and Huddersfield will attack the game as they do otherwise. He pretty much said that himself, didn't he? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he said, you know, there, there are certain things that they're going to have to adapt and that kind of thing, but the, the, the core belief of, you know, what has given Huddersfield time success will remain. Um, I imagine it'll be the same formation. Um, it'll be... Jonathan Ogg and Aaron Moy I imagine in, in midfield because uh, Danny Williams still isn't back also neither is Steve, Steve Munier. Munier yeah is still out um, expected to return for the Swansea game obviously he's got the international break to recover but he won't play a part against Tottenham so no, it should be interesting to see uh, to see how the game unfolds and also how Lauren De Potter, if he can keep his good form going into that against you know arguably one of the best defences in the league the Mood around the the press conference seemed to be quite buoyant, um, which is important going into a game like this. The other breaking news from Germany was that Bayern have sacked Carlo Ancelotti, and weirdly, David Wagner's at thirty three to one to take over. That. Yeah. I mentioned that in the same breath that Pochettino's at twenty eight, so it's not the most likely appointment yeah. in the world. But it, it sort of shows that you know the biggest club in Germany being linked to. Huddersfield Town's manager isn't something that will ever ha- have happened previously. No, yeah, you know, I think I think we we use the term linked in a very very loose way there because you know I think he, if you he put, might be at thirty three to one. I won't be rushing to Ladbrokes to put a bet on. I think or if any you put other betting shop, you put ten pound on David Wagner to go to Bayern. I think you lose ten pounds. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, is there anything else from the press conference we should touch on at all? Not really. It was uh, it was pretty straightforward today. You know, um, David Wagner has these catchphrases which he likes to to say before every game. Um, we should start printing out bingo cards before. We, we should. Go. We should. But, you know, it's it's the only thing for me. It's the only thing you can say as a manager. You know, you know, people asking, "Oh, is it going to be a hard test?" Is it? You know, yes, obviously it's going to be a hard test. But you know, it's we. He, he keeps saying, you know, we we have a chance. We have a chance in every game in this division. Um, and you know whoever it is will be will be concentrating on them. They could be playing, you know, Yeovil Town in the cup, and they would concentrate on that game. Then they would move on to the next one. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's very much um, sort of business as usual for David Wagner, um, despite it being arguably the, the biggest or second biggest club they've played this season so far. Did he talk much about Pochettino in the opposite corner at all? Was there any discussion of sort of what he's achieved at that club and the fact No, that- not really. Didn't didn't speak about Pochettino once, I don't think. Um he only really spoke about Harry Kane. He obviously came up in conversation quite a lot. Said he he'd seen the hat trick in midweek. Um said he has all the attributes of a great player. Um but, you know, he, he said, Yeah, but we know that, and we're going to try and try and counter that in in as best way as we can. He did so. joke and say that hopefully he might catch an illness between now and the weekend. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, if I come into contact with him, hopefully. We'll come <laughs> out of this, but, um, yeah. Perfect. Uh, should we go back to our regularly re- regularly scheduled broadcast? <laughs> Here's one I made earlier. Yeah, we're back. So we'll talk about Tottenham now. 
which is something we get told off about talking about because of my uh, supportership. Yeah, I do find it tedious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about Newcastle as much just because uh, I don't think you've got as much to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> um, obviously, the, the way this worked last time when Town played Newcastle is that I asked you questions about Newcastle, yes. so you can ask me questions about Tottenham. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Rory Benson. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've yeah, been so waiting for this for a while. The tables have turned now. Let me see if I can stump you with some really difficult questions. Um, Tottenham obviously had a, an interesting start to, to the campaign, probably not looking as good as they did last season, perhaps. Um, I think that's fair to say, yeah. Yeah, so what what has changed them over the summer? Obviously, they didn't really bring that many new faces in. What's what's changed, do you think, at Tottenham? Uh, we tend to start slowly in our state. It's been a, a feature of our seasons under Pochettino and probably going back even further it's because they leave the business so late Daniel Levy's one to drive a hard bargain if anyone ever thought that Dean Hoyle does tough business they want to see Daniel Levy there are several clubs that now refuse to do business with Tottenham because of his uh, behaviour I think the Leon president once called him the most difficult man in football because uh, he'd offered a certain amount of money for Hugo Lloris and then at the 11th hour turned up and said it was half that amount now and got his way <laughs> which is uh, sort of a measure of the man but that knock on effect of that is that unlike Huddersfield who did their business early and had to settle squad and started terrifically better than expected Tottenham start a little worse than expected because they don't have their players in and settled. You know, Fernando Llorente comes in on deadline day. Davinson Chances doesn't come in until middle to late August. All those moves, you know, Sergio Rio is a late move as well. I think it was the day before deadline day. So all these things are happening um, very late on in the window when top clubs are getting the business done early and that has a knock-on effect. The other thing is obviously the Wembley factor. I don't think it's a hoodoo or a curse because I don't, believe in those things obviously there's a a psychological block there it's the most Tottenham thing in the world to have knocked down White Hart Lane the season after going undefeated there uh, the second it becomes a place that nobody can ever win at uh, it now doesn't exist any longer um, so it's it's been an interesting start but with this game in mind they've won every single away game they've played this season uh, which is a reflection of how much they dislike it at Wembley and they haven't lost or dropped a point to a newly promoted side in two seasons now. So in in those terms, the Omens are, are good from a, a Tottenham perspective. Obviously, I think everyone knows about Harry Kane's goal-scoring e- exploits. Got I don't mind talking about them more if you want to. We'll leave that to one side. <laughs> Who else has, has stood out for, for Tottenham in, in the start of the season? As I said, they've, they've been incredible away from home, but who stood out both away and at home? I think Christian Eriksen's one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, and that might seem strange because Tottenham are obviously one of the most talked about and covered teams in the Premier League. But given all the moves that were happening this summer, um, a beggar's belief in my opinion that um, Barcelona were willing to spend £150 million on Felipe Coutinho but didn't test the waters with Christian Eriksen, who's a significantly better footballer in almost every single aspect. He may not score 30-yard pingers the same way Felipe Coutinho does, but the only way that helps you is if you want to put together a YouTube compilation. Everything else that Ericsson does is absolutely fantastic. He's 
he's essentially the creative hub of everything Tottenham do and they're a far poorer side without him in it. Um, similar role to Aaron Moy, just slightly higher up um, because their systems are slightly different. They're not actually a million miles away from each other in terms of how they want to play the game. It's all about high-pressing, turning the ball over and forcing the team into mistakes and capitalising on them. But the way Tottenham do that is a slight variation on the way Huddersfield do it, four two three one, you know, three five two sort of a thing. So um it'll be an interesting game in, in that respect. Uh but for me the things that Ericsson does, the the amount he runs, the work he does off the ball, the space he creates for other players, the way he plays the ball and, and creates chances and rarely ever makes the wrong decision when on the ball is is fantastic. Well, how if you're a Huddersfield town, if you're David Wagner then how would you stop Christian Eriksen from having that influence on the game? I think you sit Jonathan Hogg on him. Um and you tell Hogg to never give him space. Um in a similar way that I think Tottenham will have to give similar instruction to Eric Dyer where Aaron Moyes is concerned. I think Huddersfield returned the favour with with Hogg and uh, Ericsson because he actually he drops deeper to pick up the ball. Um, he's not going to be playing too high up the park all the time because he does drip, drift back and forward. Um, so it is a case of if not man marking him, then making sure there is constantly somebody who has an eye on him, uh, whether that's Moy or Hogg. Uh, Hogg's probably the, the primary choice for that given his defensive capabilities, but. If you stop the supply line into Tottenham's attack, you can harm them. And with Moussa Dembele likely to be missing, the speed with which they get the ball from midfield to attack is harmed. So in terms of stifling Harry Kane then, who we touched on, Mm -hmm. would that be by stopping Christian Eriksen getting that first pass away? Or is it going to be down to Christopher Schindler, you know, just giving him no time when he does get on the ball? I think you have to play Kane into channels. I think that's the only way of stopping him. Um quite honestly he's at the level now where even when he gets half a chance he's likely to score it's a ridiculous vein of form he's in the last game that Tottenham played against Apoel on Tuesday night they were horrific it was one of the worst performances we've had under Pochettino Um, I think the large majority of Tottenham fans are in agreement on that they could have quite comfortably been two or three goals down by the time Harry Kane put the one up and the only reason they won that match is because they have a player of Harry Kane's level. Um, the three goals they took, perfect hat-trick, were sort of unerring in their finish. The the first one on his left foot was you know opened up in a, in a way that nobody expected it to just because of his close control. His second one was a half chance uh, and the header just, he came in at exactly the time, right time, timed it perfectly and put it right in the corner and give the keeper no chance one thing I would say with the first goal I think you get that space against Cypriot champions and I think <laughs> you get that space against Huddersfield Town Yeah, and he also found himself in a lot of room uh, for the third goal for the header uh, obviously it was great movement beforehand to make himself some room do you think that it'll be a tougher test against Huddersfield Town given that they've you know got four clean sheets in the Premier League so far obviously they've come up against players who maybe aren't Harry Kane's calibre but how do you see that battle sort of playing out? The hardest thing for Huddersfield to do is making sure they give the right amount of respect to every one of Tottenham's attacking talent. Because if you go over the top on trying to mark Harry Kane out of the game, then Eriksen will pick you apart, or Hungmin Son will score, or Dele Alli will come in. So it's not as if you can just nullify one man. Obviously, he's the key man, 
to stop. But if he's not able to get the room and positions he wants to, Tottenham are able to give other people those opportunities. Um, and that's really difficult to stop. One thing that would and has harmed Tottenham consistently over the past few seasons are teams that sit deep and defend with sort of eight to ten men behind the ball. And that's something that Huddersfield just won't do. Um, and I think it's to David Wagner's credit, to be perfectly honest, that he refuses to play that brand of football because uh, he never has done. And when he takes it to teams and tries to play football against them and fight fire with fire, that's where we've seen Huddersfield do their best. And I don't imagine he's going to be abandoning that philosophy anytime soon. Huddersfield may be playing a, a tad bit deeper just because you know the level of opponent is far higher than they've faced for for some time you know the last time they really faced somebody of this level was those two Manchester City FA Cup games and they rotated the side so heavily for both of those it weren't a real fair reflection of what Huddersfield could do so it's going to be interesting to see what happens here um, because there is every chance that if, if Tottenham score early, it's difficult to stop them getting a roll on. But the longer you frustrate them for, the easier it is to cause an upset. How would you do that then? In terms of, we've, we've spoken about town, or maybe on the defensive side of things, which is going to be very important against a, a side, you know, which has Harry Kane up front and, <laughs> and Ericsson and, and Ali and all these players. But on the, other, on the end, other end of things, Tottenham haven't really... Last year, I think they had a very, very solid defence. This year, they've conceded five, which is more than Town have conceded. Obviously, three clean sheets is, is still pretty good, but they, they can be got at around the back. How would you do that if you were David Wagner and Huddersfield Town? Um, they'll likely play three at the back, I imagine, uh, which has been a, a fervid system. Um, Jan Vertonghen will be back, which is a, a huge plus. He's actually been Tottenham's informed centre-back. He's actually been better than Toby Alderweireld for some time now which is uh, saying something uh, Davinson Sanchez is is raw but very good um, he actually there's an interesting thing he does where he doesn't tackle people and take the ball he takes the ball away from the man he runs through people rather than tackling it's a quite amusing thing to see but it's dangerous at the same time there's one or two times where he could give something away and if it's De Poitras or Mounier up there giving him you know, a physical battle, then that's something he could get drawn into because he is young, because he is still getting used to the league and the pace of the game. He's got every physical attribute and every mental attribute to be a fantastic defender of the level of Alderweireld and Vertonghen, but he's not as far along in his development, clearly. So that's an area from which you can attack. Ben Davies has been very solid. Um, I don't think that's an avenue for too much joy down the right. He's susceptible to pace somewhat, but he's sort of found comfort in himself enough to know when to drop back and when to be defensive and when to call on Vertonghen to come and help him. If there is an area, um, it's with Victor Wanyama out in that final third. You can get on top of Eric Dyer a little bit more. If Musa Sissoko starts, then you've got a glorified empty shirt to play against as well. Uh, even though he's had two good games, he's still... He's got such a low bar of expectation that the fact that he hasn't been uh, a, detra a detraction from the performance is his biggest positive, which is, you know, a fairly poor standard, to be quite frank. Um, 
Harry Winks is back fit, so he may start. It's who I, as a Tottenham fan, would want to see start this game next to Dyer is Harry Winks, because I think it's a sort of game where Huddersfield and Tottenham will both share possession fairly quickly. He's far better on the ball than Musasoko. He does a lot better with it and uses it far more intelligently. Um, and I actually think if, if it is a partnership of Dyer and Winks, it gives Huddersfield more of a chance in the midfield as well. But it's a case of essentially both managers saying, you know, going all in and saying, here's my pack, here's yours. We'll see who's essentially got the more quality in it. And I think it's not unfair to suggest that if that were the case, Tottenham come out on top. So would you say then from a town perspective, the way to get out Tottenham is is quick passing in the middle of the park rather than getting around the back? Because we've seen sort of something which maybe didn't or something that characterised town last year was Kachunga and Smith on the overlap down the right hand side and then the ball being cut back in into sort of the six yard box anywhere around there. Yeah. Is that something that you would still look at or for this game would it be more like quick passing and then Aaron Moy with a killer pass through to someone like Steve Mounier or Ince or whoever on the overlap on either side? That's more likely the the latter's more likely to be the uh, the route through because Tottenham do place a highly um, so there is room in behind um, between Larice and the defensive line. Hugo's one that will run out and, you know, it's 50-50 whether or not he'll win the ball or do something silly. Yeah, um, just to touch on Larice <laughs> a bit, he, you know, he was, last year he was touted as one of the, one of the best keepers in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He's maybe had a shakier start than usual. Is it a case of trying to put him under a bit of pressure early on? He's still one of the best keepers in the Premier League, but he... There are some strange mistakes creeping into his game that weren't there previously. He had one against Apoel on Tuesday night where he kicked the ball against their player and could have quite easily scored a goal for them, essentially. Hefler-esque. It very much was, um, apart from more chest and less backside. Um, it, it is an area of concern. It's. I was speaking to a Tottenham supporter friend of mine. Do you know when you have an elderly pet and they start running into walls and things, and you can tell there's something wrong? That's sort of what's happening with Reese at the moment. I think it's a, a poor period of form rather than a, a signal that he's suddenly becoming a poor keeper. But one maybe for Town to to look to shoot from from dis- Aaron Moore. You know, I don't think it's distant shooting or anything. His shot stopping's perfectly fine he's not turned into Aurelio Gomez overnight thankfully it's more in those areas where he's got a 50-50 decision to make if you do put a ball in where he's got to come out or Steve Mooney's got to chase it down that's where you can get some joy so you think with Towns with, with Mounier starting uh, uh, you know expecting Schindler and Zanka as well maybe for corners just piling people into the box of it yeah, uh, Tottenham are fairly solid from set players. I think it's more an open play that they're susceptible. Um, that seems to be an area from which they've, they've struggled more. Even against Nicosia, they were still getting through, and I think the avenue to get through more than anywhere is the channel in between Kieran Trippier and um, Toby Alderweireld, because Toby's not been as good as he has been previously. Mm-hmm. Um, he's slowly coming back into form. I'm not exactly sure what that is um, Kieran Trippier is very good going forward slightly susceptible defensively um, obviously doesn't have the pace Cal Walker did to get himself out of trouble um, surgery is there to do that but he got himself sent off against West Ham so he won't be playing he actually got hooked in midweek as well so I don't think Pochettino's too amused with him at present um, so there are definitely ways to get at Tottenham they're not as defensively solid as they had been previously they're still one of the what 
three or four best defensive teams in the Premier League, they're still frightening going forward. So there's still areas from which to be wary of them. But the way that David Wagner and his team, we know they prepare for sides and scout them and make individual match plans and train to those plans. They will have come up with a way that they think they can hurt Tottenham. And I imagine it's not a million miles away from what we've discussed because if I can see it, you know, I've been probably an unhealthy amount of my time watching Tottenham play football. If I can see it, people who are paid to and have had the success they've had as football coaches will have identified very similar things and and will be attempting to exploit similar areas. Okay, then, just to finish off, I'm going to ask you for your prediction for the game. 10-0 Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) Really? No, 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 I'm not joking. I I do think Tottenham will win. I think both teams will score. Um, I actually think it'll be probably the most open game that Huddersfield have played this year probably the the best to watch at least I hope it will be being quite honest having been born here but being given no choice over who I support this has always been a game I've wanted to see my entire life I've sort of looked at early rounds of the League Cup and FA Cup and hoped to see my team be drawn away in my hometown slightly um, surreal that it's happening especially that it's a Premier League fixture it if you'd have asked me last season, I'd probably said it's more likely that Tottenham are relegated than Huddersfield are promoted. Um, so it's it's one of those where um, it, it means an awful lot to me. I've paid to watch Huddersfield for a long time now, since before it was a popular thing to be doing. Um, and I've long said that if Tottenham win 38 games a season and Huddersfield win 36, I'll be quite happy. Um, so there's... There's no confusion on my behalf over who I want to win on Saturday. Um, And there's no confusion on my behalf of who I think will actually win on Saturday. Um, But I think it'll be a far more entertaining fixture than people give it credit for because they're both very exciting, very positive managers in the dugout, neither of which will want to give an inch to the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And they both have very similar philosophy on how the game should be played and how their players should apply themselves especially where entertaining the crowd and playing good bands of football is concerned um, I know that's something we've disagreed about previously but one of the reasons why I'm forever so positive about Huddersfield and you know I'm so pleased they're doing well under this regime specifically is because they've done so playing a very progressive very attractive brand of football Um and that's not the case elsewhere. So, um, you know, we've discussed about sort of how that's rooted in what I've seen my entire life with Tottenham doing and the fact that that's not always borne out in success. And to be quite honest, um, that whoever, whichever team loses on the weekend, the fact that they've overplayed is probably going to be the undoing of them. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad position for anyone to be in. The odds we looked on Sky Bet yesterday, I think Huddersfield are at sevens. Sevens, yeah. Um, Tottenham, obviously, heavy favourites. I don't think there's any doubt in that. There'll be questions asked if Tottenham don't win this game by two or three. Um, I think most Spurs fans would take a 1 0 just because getting points on the board is the most important thing before Christmas. But given the talent on the field and the relative aspirations of the two sides, um, you know, this is Huddersfield's hardest game of the season. It's going to be one of their hardest games of the season. Tottenham are one of the three or four best sides in the Premier League by quite some distance. 
And if you're going to cop a beating, it's going to be against one of those sides. We saw it against City in the replay last season. Yeah. And it could be a, a similar sort of thing here. Uh, it just depends which Tottenham turn up. Because I actually put out that piece, didn't I, uh, about Tottenham's record after Europe. So that's another factor to take into account. I'll go for a 1 1 draw. <laughs> um, just to finish off, beer 52. Uh, yeah, I'll take back the hosting oh, range now. Uh, I'm back in the back in control Such now. A power trip. Um, yeah, beer fifty two. Is there anything that, from a Huddersfield perspective at all, on the game that you're particularly looking at? Um, to be honest, because you Newcastle have played uh, played both teams already. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And you um, know about both teams. To be honest, we we play Newcastle play Tottenham first game of the season, uh, and. Although Tottenham won 2-0, John Joe Shelby got a red card at 0-0 and Tottenham didn't play anywhere near to the standard that I expected them to play. I mean, their record against Newcastle isn't great, so maybe that sort of plays on the mind a little bit. But to be honest, this this season, you know, I'm going to say this and Harry Kane's going to go on and score a hat-trick, but <laughs> Tottenham seem to be... It, it's easier to get at Tottenham this season than it has been in the pre- previous two seasons. I think that Huddersfield Town are still going under the radar, um, whereas the expectations for Tottenham seem to be growing and growing, despite, personally, I don't think that their squad has been growing and growing, and I don't think their quality has grown. I think they're still a great, great team, and probably one of the top six or seven in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, And they're rightly massive favourites for the weekend, but I expect Huddersfield to give them a, a good game. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it 1-1 or 2-2. And I think, uh, like I said in the previous podcast, this is one of the games that I think no one would have earmarked time to pick up any points for. That takes the pressure off them even more. Um, and I think, you know, David Wagner will say to his team, no limits, let's go out there and let's see if we can pick up a point or three against against one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And I don't, I wouldn't put it past them to do it. They've shown it, you know, that they can do it in the past. They beat Newcastle early on last season. Um, who were widely expected to trounce everyone in the championship. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm in a way weirdly more confident about this one than against you know Crystal Palace and that kind of thing because Huddersfield do better against teams that play football. They do better against the teams that play football, and they do better when there's absolutely zero pressure and no <laughs> one expects anything from them, like yeah. most teams would. So, you know, it's one of those things that if they lose four 0 well, they've lost four 0 against one of the best teams in the league. But if they, you know, if they if they take a point, even just a point, people will start looking at Huddersfield and saying, "Well, you know, they're not just a flash in the pan. This is a team that knows how to earn points in the Premier League." We've had a, a question in from Tom Hoyle on Twitter, who says, "Do you think both Munier and De Poitre will play up front together?" No, not this week at least. No, not against Tottenham. Um, to be honest, I'd really like to see. It'd be bold, wouldn't it? It would be. It'd be very bold. Um, it would. It would require a change of system, which David Wagner hasn't done. Um, I don't think he's played two up front since the start of last year. And as he said, this is what's brought him success. He'll stick with that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think they're. 
it'd be interesting to see what they would play like together at front. But I don't obviously think we've not been season. to the press conference yet, so we haven't had an update on Mooney's injury. Mm. But if he is fit, do you think he gets the nod over Depotra? Um I think what David Wagner will will assess is how much training he's done this week, whether he is match fit. Um, but you know, we'll see if if he's not 100% match fit, then he'll start. Uh, De Poitre and I imagine we'll see Mounier 60th minute something like that it's it's all down to David Wagner and, and the work that Mounier's done since coming back from injury um, so you know if, if he's had 10 days on the training ground then he might start if he's had 2 days on the training ground he probably won't yeah I think that's uh, we're in agreement that he's not he's not one to rush anyone yeah, back exactly. uh, but we will end it there because we're going to be late for the press conference otherwise <laughs> so we won't have anything to bring anyone Um Beer 52, obviously, uh, just pay for the uh, postage, which £5.95 or something. You don't have to pay £24. Uh, code Huddersfield on there. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Um, leave us five-star ratings. And we'll speak to you on Monday. I'll speak to you then, Rory. Speak to you then. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij Mijn Sim Only. Voor 12,50 per maand, onbeperkte minuten of sms'jes en 3500 MB 4G internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Weken. Kijk op ben.nl.